The Office of Federal Procurement Policy has been banging this particular drum for years now. Not only are agencies allowed to engage in discussions with industry before they craft the procurements, doing so is usually a good thing. Now that principle is enshrined in the Federal Acquisition Regulation via a new rule issued just last week. To talk more about it, we're joined now by Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners. And Larry, like we said, this has been an ongoing message from OMB for, gosh, going back at least a decade when the Obama administration was working on its Mythbusters campaign. What's new here exactly as a practical matter out of this new Federal Register notice, I guess, other than the message that, you know, we really, really mean at this time? Well, Jared, I think that's a reminder. Uh, what we're talking about here is a new FAR rule that just came out very recently that specifically promotes communication in that pre-RFP, talking about the fact that uh, both industry and government work better if there are more communication between the two of them. Both industry and government work better if there are more communication between the two of them. And it clarifies, in case people uh, were not uh, clear before, that agency acquisition personnel are permitted and encouraged to engage in responsible dis in exchanges with industry. Uh, and the rule came out specifically to assuage the concerns of risk-averse contracting officers that uh, lately, uh, through the anecdotal evidence I've been hearing anyway, have been increasingly hesitant to talk to contractors, even when there's not an active acquisition on the street that would indicate that they might want to have some more type of limited contact. As I was kind of alluding to in the opening question, is, isn't part of this just cultural? At a certain point, do you have to just say it doesn't really matter how many times um, certain people in government have this message communicated to them. They're just going to be, as you said, risk averse, almost no matter what. Jared, I think that's an excellent point. And in fact, the great irony is this rule came out late uh, last week. I believe it was the first. On the second, I spoke with a contracting officer who said, we can't talk to you, industry. I was trying to set up a meeting with myself and one of my clients and I said, well, have you seen this rule? And I sent them a copy of the, the rule. I said, this encourages uh, discussion. And even with that, he said the claim that he had read it. Even with that, he said, we still don't want to talk. So uh, I'm not sure if he had an active procurement. I don't think that was the case in this situation. Obviously, if there was an active procurement, that would be one thing. But you know, presumably industry would have been tracking that so that people like me wouldn't call them in the beginning. So what that really means is you can put out all the guidance, all the myth busting you want, but at the end of the day, if the contracting officer doesn't want to talk to you, they don't want to talk to you. And sometimes that goes for the program manager too. And, and I mean, what that tells me, I think, is that a, a lot of these folks see nothing but risk in having these conversations and don't see any upside to it. So does the rule do a decent job? Or what would you tell people about what the upside is from the government's perspective about having these kinds of pre-solicitation discussions? The simple fact of the matter is you, government wants to talk to industry because industry has the very latest information on what's going on in this specific market segment. Government people may be busy with their daily missions, be only focus on specific topics when they come up as problems, but 
the people in industry are doing this every day, Jared. They know what the state of the market is. They know what the state of the art is. Those are two different terms. Uh, they can help government put together better acquisitions, acquisitions that will end up getting the government a better solution that will work better, it will be more properly priced, and it will reduce their overall acquisition lead time because they'll only have to do the procurement once to get the right thing. There are a tremendous amount of upside. So if you're in favor of good communication with industry, you're in favor of lowering your acquisition overhead, making sure that you get the best insights on what's available in the commercial market and other markets, and you're in favor of reducing your price and being uh, in, in favor of competition. Other than that, I'd be hard pressed to say what benefits there are from talking with industry. <laughs> Speaking of state of the market or maybe lack thereof, let's see how awkward I can make this transition here. Uh, let's talk about the NITAC CIO SP4 contract. Um, we're now quite a ways down the road from where when initial proposals were suspended or were submitted rather as federal news network's jason miller reported last week nitac now reevaluating those proposals after a i don't know if it's a record but a shocking almost 120 bid protests um what caused that huge number of protests in the first place and is there any hope of salvaging this huge contract at this point well jared what caused uh, those protests in the first place was a whole slew of businesses, mostly small businesses, who were protesting what they believed was the arbitrary application of a cut line. That is the number of points a company or team of companies needed to score in order to be considered for award. Uh, NIH had started sending out notices to uh, unsuccessful offers saying that they hadn't accumulated enough points. They were deemed unable to perform and as soon as those notices were sent out, the protests were filed saying, you know, wait a minute, that seems arbitrary. Justify why you made the cut line at the point that you did. We believe that we're viable for these reasons. And there were a you know, substantial amount of these protests. Uh, now, NITAC has agreed to go back and take corrective action to revisit the cut line, the number of points needed to uh, assess whether or not you can actually perform and be eligible for a contract award. Uh, they're also going to go back and fine tune some other things and then they'll make new award decisions. But Jared, that's really only, only going to result in a new round of protests. You're going to create a cut line somewhere uh, unless you just take all comers and that cut line, wherever it is, is always going to draw protests from unsuccessful offers. So right now, if I had to say where CIOSP4 is, I would say it's in the ICU, the intensive contracting unit. Uh, and, you know, it uh, needs uh, some pretty significant help, I think, to get it well. Uh, this has dragged on for a while. Uh, and I think, you know, you've started to get some issues with pricing as well as some of the solutions that were offered. You know, the longer this uh, goes without making an award, the longer we get away from the time when all of the submissions were put in in a timely manner. And either NITAC's gonna have to do a price refresh before they go for awards or immediately thereafter in order for any work to be done. So I, I think this contract, you know, you hope the whole thing doesn't 
uh, just explode on the launch pad, but we've seen that happen before. Uh, NITAC's going to have to take some pretty rapid and significant actions to ensure that doesn't happen here. And, and I assume that take all comers option is probably off the table, right? Because at that point, you're, you're seriously degrading the value of the contract to end customers if they're going to have to do a whole bunch of task order level determinations about who, sh- who should really be getting work well, in the end. Sure, that's exactly right. Uh, it removes one of the benefits of using a contract like this in the first place, i.e. the contracting agency already vetted the companies on the contract to make sure they were responsible, responsive contractors. Uh, if that hasn't been done, then the task order agency has to do that, which is extra work for them and uh, disincentive. Uh, taking all comers, Jared, would also be counter to everything that NITAC said all the way through this process till now, which is this is not meant to be an entry-level contract for a government contractor. There's supposed to be some experience and sophistication and capability here. The agency is technically within its rights to take all comers, uh, although that, you know, that might rankle some feathers with people who say, well, hey, we decided not to submit an offer because you had, we actually believed what you said about this not being an entry level contract. Uh, so I don't think that NITAC will go there uh, for all of those reasons. But if not, then you know there's every indication that the small businesses who feel like they absolutely have to have this contract will take every action they can to participate. Last thing in our final minute or so here, Larry, this week, uh, Congress has until next week to do something on appropriations. Um, How do you score the potential outcomes here as far as whether we get another CR that drags into the new year versus real appropriations next week? Uh, Jared, I think right now it's a virtual certainty that we're going to get a CR. The only question is how long is it going to be? We were probably always going to get at least a short-term CR that would take us up to the 23rd of December, whenever Congress is going to leave town for the holiday. So I think we're, that's pretty much a certainty. Right now, there is an, are increasing clouds around the appropriations process about whether or not we'll actually get a final omnibus bill right before Christmas. Uh, before Thanksgiving break, there was a lot of optimism that that was going to happen. Last week, however, there were not a lot of breakthroughs uh, in discussions among appropriators on the Hill. They're really still looking for that top line number. And if they don't have a top line number, then they're not going to be able to allocate uh, spending to all the individual accounts. So uh, I had been optimistic that we'd get a deal before the end of the calendar year. I'm not nearly as optimistic now. All right. We shall see. Larry Allen, president of Allen Federal Business Partners. Thanks as always. Jared, thanks very much. I wish your listeners happy selling. And you can find this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. <coughs> Cough and cold season is here. Introducing Ricola Max Throat Care, Ricola's most powerful drop yet. It's the best of Swiss nature wrapped around a powerful liquid menthol center for maximum relief from your worst cough and sore throat. Maximum nature for maximum relief. Try the new Ricola Max now, available in the cold and cough aisle. It's in our nature. The world is always on. 
but you shouldn't be. Put junk sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Dream Sember Sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $700 on Sealy. Only at Mattress Firm.